All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. going on good people of the internet it is time for on comics grounds.com's flagship podcast panel to panel where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such we are back once again once again talking about all that good comic book goodness and occasionally nerdy news where we love to sit here and just talk shit about the comic industry and the things that we love because we love comic books um this is going to be a bit of a saga folks because for the next uh, few weeks we are going to be um enjoying the fact that normally this would be a a very spooky month because it is October. But funnily enough, someone thought it'd be a really funny joke to make the the the, the spooky month the, the 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 queer history month. And I don't know whose idea that was, but fuck it. I so, mean, gay, gays love Halloween, dude. I mean, you're right, but it just seemed really fucking weird that like they just gave the gays like the really weird demonic holiday month, like of all things. Like they couldn't give us Arbor Day. Like what the fuck. But anyway, um, we are here, good folks, to talk to, uh, to spend a, the next few episodes talking about queer history with you good folks, LGBTQIA plus history in regards to different superheroes from the comic book industry and like different stories that we love. The, uh, the first episode is going to be pretty awesome here. Uh, it's going to be sort of um, uh, taking another crack at one, uh, a character that uh, my amazing co-host Mary brought, brought to my attention years ago, um, and I'm excited to try this again. So it's going to be awesome to see this brought to light once more. Um, don't forget, folks, that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Amazon Music and Audible, um, Pandora. Basically, wherever you listen to a podcast besides SoundCloud, you can follow us. So make sure you follow us, review us on Apple Podcasts, because we are working on some exclusive content specifically for Apple Podcasts and soon a Patreon where you can follow us uh, for a small fee and you will be able to uh, get some exclusive content for that specific uh, purpose. So get ready for that. Like, if Travis will do it with me, we can talk about how shitty Titans is and make some motherfucking money. Uh, I feel like if we make enough money, <coughs> we should stick James in one of those little dunk tank things. Oh my god. You know, you know, the one where you throw the balls at the target? Yeah. Yes. But, like, that'd be so funny just, like, seeing me and Travis talk, like, like just get, like, like shit-faced and talk shit about Titans. If you would just watch season three with me, anyway, don't forget that you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. No, I don't learn the part. I'm tripping. 
I'm like three sips of whiskey in. Uh, we, 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 you can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at On Comics Ground. And check out the website on dash comics dash ground.com for all of our amazing uh, comic book reviews, previews, and solicitations for all that amazing content we put out. So we're going to jump right into it. So this character is someone that. Like I said, Mary introduced me to you, and I'm very excited to talk about this character's history and the, 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 the impact, even though for a long time, no one really knew of his existence from a mainstream level. It, it's, it's nice that like, he's been able to be a beacon for what a character can be when he is, I love you too, but like, in general, <laughs> sneaking off being a dad, we love you, Travis, but no, nah, um, well, this character means a lot to me, and I'm excited to see uh, like Mary give some shine to this man right here. So, Mary, tell us about the glorious Extranio. Cut. So, um, let me just touch on a couple of things before we get started. One, we we will be using the word queer as a reclaimed slur. If that's not something you're interested in, I I, I really don't care. Like, <laughs> I I understand that some people have issues with the word, but. We here on the show use it as a reclaimed word, so please don't yell at me anymore. Like for for point for point of reference, we've had not only two spe- like specifically queer comic book creators on this show multiple times. Like like we, this show is hosted by two like like gay people and two black people who just don't give a fuck. Like if you haven't figured out what kind of show this is, we can't help you. Obviously, I know there's a lot of um, disagreement in the community about how that word is used. I'm going to be using it throughout uh, the show. Um, there will be discussions of the history of the AIDS crisis in the United States and a bit about the virus, it's about the HIV virus itself, because AIDS and HIV, it's not the same thing. So there are just some common misconceptions that I'm going to want to clear up throughout. I am not a medical doctor, so I'm explaining this as best I can. A lot of this information comes from, like, the CDC. And um, I'm also not a Spanish speaker, so there are going to be some rolled R's. I I am incapable of rolling my R's, so I apologize to Spanish speakers who may be listening to this. Don't judge me too harshly. Um... That said, our topic today is the strange case of Extraño. And the the title is supposed to be funny because Extraño is strange in Spanish. I I thought it was funny, but no one else It was a strange case of strange. That's that's the joke. (laughs) Extraño was a a, a DC superhero that was created by Steve Englehart and Joe Stanton. Uh, he first appeared in, ni- in the 1988 weekly series Millennium, more specifically in Millennium number two. Um, we're not going, and I, I just kind of want to mention that we're not going to be jumping into whole plot lines of books that he's been in. This is pretty tightly about a singular character, so I'm not going to cover um, the plot of... Uh, Millennium, or even the overarching plot of the New Guardians outside of his personal character arc. Um, his real name is Gregorio de la Vega. He's from Peru. He was recruited recruited by the Guardians of the Universe, uh, the, the fancy blue people who do the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, they had planned to create a successor's 
planned to create their successors, a race of new guardians for Earth. They gathered 10 people and imbued them with powers of the Chosen, um, basically giving them metahuman abilities. Gregorio was one of them. Before this, uh, he had basically just been a minor magician. But as a result of um, a procedure, his magical powers were greatly intensified and he formally became Extraño. Uh, He and other... He and some of the other Chosen formed the New Guardians and made it their mission to fight evil all over Earth, etc., etc. Uh, all of this spun out into the 12-inch series, The New Guardians. It followed Gregorio and his teammates as they tackled, um, I'm using air quotes here, social issues. And uh, a bit of a sidebar here is that when we read old comics, it is important that we keep in mind the political climate at the time of publication because looking at a comic book that was written in 1998 through a 2021 lens obviously shit's not gonna go well you know reading a comic book that deals with race relations in like 1974 through a 2020 2021 lens is not gonna look good at all no it will not so excuse me I'm not saying excuse things that are downright awful, but, you know, if something is misrepresented or whatnot, and you can't tell if there's malicious intent behind it, try to keep in mind that this was a very long time ago. And, you know, some of these concepts that we discuss now didn't even exist. Oh, um, I mean, rabble, rabble, critical race theory, rabble, rabble. I mean, yeah. No, no, that was supposed to get a lot. It was funny. I was like, that, that, that was just very like, like, like very clever in a small amount of nine. Yeah. Sorry. Like, of course, as soon as we start recording, and this is an episode where I'm going to be doing a lot of talking, so that's when my allergies go. Hey, let's fuck with a bitch. Um, What's so, up? Apologies for the sniffles and coughing, but um, this spun out into the twelve issue series, The New Guardians. And it followed the team as they tackled social issues. And again, using air quotes on social. It was made up of surprisingly a diverse team that you would expect to see something out of Milestone and not necessarily out of the big two at the time. Um, It was largely made up of people of color and women, which, again, before 1988-89, it was very unheard of to have the majority of a team made up of minority communities. So let's get into who Extraño is as a person and character. Uh, He's a very lively character and has a really jovial attitude. He often gives his teammates uh, like parent-like advice um, and provided uh, and proved crucial in um, defeating many villains. Kind of like how, you know, oh no, we can't defeat this villain, but Batman can swoop in and save us. That was Extraño for the team. So he always had the, you know, um, was always that the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of that. Uh, He was quick to assist his teammates with personal matters and was shown to have a real and honest sense of justice and love of life that made him very popular with his teammates. He was just a loved hero and he believed in what he was doing now he's considered to be the first openly gay character at dc comics this gets a little tricky later on 
Uh, he portrayed as a combination of nearly every gay stereotype on the planet. He has uh, flowy purple and green garments um, that seemed like they came out of Liberace's closet. That's a reference if there ever was one. Uh, he refers to himself as auntie a lot and spoke in what could be interpreted as an effeminate fashion. A lot of, you know, fancy excuse me's and wait a minute, you know, kind of, you know, put that stereotypical gay lilt on it. And that's wait a, a lot of What'd you say? I was like doing that, like that tone of like, sweetie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, they even put like the little squiggles in there, too. Oh, God. <clears throat> Um, his flamboyant characterization elicited a lot of responses from readers, from amusement to just full-on fucking hatred. And kind of, here's my second deviation a bit, comics deal a lot with coding. And this is during the Comics Code Authority, you know, it was, it was starting to really break apart at this time, because, you know, it, it was mostly lifted in 85. But there was still a lot of stigma that hung around. And even though it ended, it's still it's still there kind of a thing. And North Star wouldn't actually say the words I'm gay until the early 90s. So we still have a decent stretch of time here. But like many characters, North Star was largely hinted at being gay well before. He was just the first big two superhero to physically say the words, I'm gay. And John Byrne can eat a bag of dicks, I guess. <laughs> I was very heartbroken to learn that John Byrne is a fucking transphobic piece of shit. It's depressing. It, it is depressing because the man did so much to help push the community up in the 80s and 90s. I mean, some of the... He created some of the most dynamic gay characters in comic books. And he is a transphobic piece of shit. And that makes me angry because how fucking dare you, you know? It's I'm like, sorry, I'm not, like, I'm not going to get on this right now. No, no, like, like, <laughs> honestly, like, we, this is the kind of platform we can't talk about that shit. And it's like, we, we would think that someone who lifted up so many of our people for so long wouldn't turn on some bullshit like that. But then you see it and you're just like, well, fuck. I mean, that would be like finding out, um, this is hypothetical, it is not true, I'm using this as a comparative example. This would be like randomly finding out Greg Rucka is transphobic. Ooh. He is not. This is a comparative example. Don't come at me for this. But that's kind of the level of heartbreaking that it is. And, you know, because John Byrne compared trans individuals to pedophiles. That's funny. Yep. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I believe it was a... Oh, God. It was like a forum board. I want to say like 2015 or something like that. So, anyway, that's my rant for the day. He can go fuck himself and take all of the Superman, Wonder Woman books that I have in boxes with him. Madness. Anyway, I'm sorry. This is what happens when you get me started on queer comic book history. No, this is what this is what the month is for. <laughs> like, do it. Um, but no. Uh, Extraño's effeminate characterization. He kind of looks like super gay Doctor Strange, if that makes any sense. 
Like, look up a picture of him from the early issues, and it's gay Doctor Strange. Oh, um, it's never really been said if it was a result of the criticism it did receive, but I would argue that it is. Uh, he was redesigned to have a much more traditional masculine superhero costume. Uh, there was a lot of um, muscle mass on display. Um, the flowy robes and sleeves were gone. Like He looked more akin to what you would expect a male superhero to quote-unquote look like at the time. Still made liberal use of purple, though, so that, that's nice. What matters? Um, but yeah, it appears to be a redesign in response to reader critique, but I can't say that for certain. Um, he may also, in fact, be the first openly gay superhero. Again, this gets tricky with North Star. But in the letter column in The New Guardians number 7, DC editorial unequivocally confirmed that Extraño is gay. And, you know, they're not saying it on page. And it, what makes this really interesting is that what they're limited to on page, they don't adhere to those limitations in the letterbox. So I find that to be a very interesting dynamic because it's really easy to look at it and go, well, why aren't you saying this in the fucking issue? You know, if you're going to if you're going to talk about it in the last two pages of the issue, why can't you put it? in the comic and that's that's kind of an interesting question because again i think this is where we go back to the final hanging on of the comic code authority and it, it's just that little bit that's you know that's that the hangers on the barnacle barnacles in the bottom of the ship or at least that's what i can glean from the situation i feel like none of that made any sense but it, a quote from the letterbox says, quote, Extraño is the first openly admitted gay superhero from, quote, the big two, but not the first one ever. So I found that to be very interesting because even well before Extraño, there was a lot of talk about Obsidian being gay as well. Yeah, that's actually Obsidian. led to, well, uh, ironically, um, now with the premiere of Alan Scott being gay, too, with, like, that little, like, that really cool thing of, like, a gay father and son doing work now. And also, um, happy birthday to Alan Scott, because it is the, it actually is his publication birthday. And Jade's just kind of sitting there going, okay, my dad and brother are gay. Woo, let's throw a party. <laughs> But the distinction of the first gay superhero is usually given to Marvel Comics and Northstar. While Northstar came out a few years after Extraño was introduced, he was a much more popular character who existed for about 10 years before Extraño and was implied to be gay in certain appearances. But implication only really can carry so far. I mean, frankly, who's the first openly gay superhero? It depends on a matter of perspective, mind you. And that's what makes tracking queer history in comic books so fucking difficult. Because, to be completely honest, I'm an experienced comic book reader. You can take a few lines of dialogue and I could very easily, you know, quote-unquote, read into something that's not there. Because, you know, comics are literature and literature is interpreted by the reader. So it, it gets very difficult and... With the advent of Twitter, it then turns into, like, a public shitstorm at times. You mean how, like, literally everyone thought Dick Grayson would be the first Robin to come out as bisexual? 
homosexual and then come to find out it was. Now. I need you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> quack, quack. Leave him alone. Ooh. He doesn't even do that anymore. It was stupid. Bendis, I hate you. Darkwing Duck! So, here, there's just kind of a base-level introduction to who Extraño was as a hero and as a character. You know, he's very flamboyant, very lively, you know, speaks in a lot of effeminate gay language. He's more or less a gay stereotype. But where the New Guardians kind of takes a huge social stance is in during the AIDS crisis. Um, as I mentioned before, the New Guardians tackled a number of social issues that were very prevalent in the late 80s. One, of, one prominent issue is the AIDS crisis. So we're actually going to step back from comics and extreme and discuss the very important and pivotal moment in LGBTQ history in the United States. Um, again, not a medical doctor, no formal medical training, but I did my research as best as I could. Uh, In the summer of 1981, the CDC published its first reports describing a rare form of cancer, Kaposi sarcoma, found in homosexual men in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York City. By the end of the year, 121 individuals with the disease, out of a reported 270, had died. Research determined that acquired autoimmune deficiency syndrome had been the cause of their deaths, And in 1982, the CDC began to refer to it as AIDS. Um, In September of 1983, the the CDC ruled out transmission of, quote, AIDS by casual contact, underscoring the impossibility of contracting AIDS from food, air, water, or surfaces. And there was actually a long-held superstition that um, you could get AIDS from touching someone. And here are some... uh, heartbreaking examples that gay men who had HIV that you know that the HIV had become AIDS were often quarantined and there were some medical professionals who wouldn't work with them um and so obviously there were many 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 valiant doctors and nurses who would sit with them in their final hours um and here's an interesting fact uh, Princess Diana of all people shook the world by shaking hands with a gay man with AIDS and that actually helped change pop perception around the world because I mean Princess Diana she was the people's princess like she was a very popular figure across the world and she shook hands with a gay man who had AIDS that was significant and it seems silly that that would be significant but you know I'm turning 30 here in a couple of months I was a child at the very end of the AIDS crisis. I mean, we're talking, you know, mid you know, mid nineties. I was born in 92 and my parents actually lost friends in the AIDS crisis. I remember going to a couple of different funerals. Uh, there was a family friend. His name was, uh, his name was Jim. He was actually a Catholic priest, believe it or not. Um, he had gone into the seminary late in life and um, had contracted AIDS beforehand. And I, Oh my God, I loved him. He was, you know, the best surrogate uncle you could have, you know, and he started to get really sick. And then, you know, we tried to go to the hospital to see him, but they wouldn't let us in. And eventually he died. And I remember trying to have to ask my parents why he died. And they had to kind of explain what it is. 
And I remember uh, the one time we did get to see him while he was sick. My dad said it was still okay for me to go give him a hug. And I didn't really understand why my dad had to make that um, distinction to me when I was a child. And now I know it's because dad was telling me that you're not going to get sick from giving him a hug. And it breaks my heart to wonder how many people suffered with this disease that couldn't get that comfort in their final moments. But anyway, that's my, you know, personal touch with it. I get very emotional talking about the AIDS crisis because, um, obviously, you know, millennials learned about it in school, depending upon your district and Gen Xers, you know, they were relatively socially aware during the crisis. So it, it's really Gen Z who's starting to learn about this as a period of history because, you know, they're the first generation to really not have a lot of firsthand experience with either the crisis itself or the fallout of the crisis. And the fallout lasted well through the 90s. But anyway, that is yet another deviation in diatribe, boys. Please pull me back if you have to. <laughs> but it's your show. We don't know where you're taking it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But in plain speak, to clear up any confusion as best I can, HIV is the disease that is contracted and AIDS is caused by HIV. They are not the same thing. Uh, when someone contracts HIV, it does not mean they have AIDS. AIDS attacks the body's immune system, specifically the CD4 cells. Um, you probably hear them referred to as T cells a lot. Um, again, if you've seen the musical and or movie adaptation of Rent, they talk a lot about their T-cells being low. These are the cells that are attacked by HIV and they help your immune system fight off infections. Um, with a reduced level of T-cells, the person is more likely to get other infections or infection-related cancers. Over time, HIV can destroy many of these cells that the body... Uh, can't fight off these infections and cancers, and I think I goofed up on my outline here. Um, uh, these infections or cancers take advantage of a very weak immune system and signal that the person has AIDS, and that and the last and most the last and most severe of the HIV infection. Uh, people with AIDS have such badly damaged immune systems; they get increasing number of severe illnesses called opportunistic infections. These opportunistic infections are generally what lead to AIDS-related deaths. Um, and I'm going to sound like a TV commercial, but for more information on how HIV, you know, HIV and AIDS operates, you can go to HIV.gov. And it is a absolute wealth of information. It is a, um, a treasure trove of information. And I think this is one of those things that if you want to learn about queer history, you need to know how this virus works. Because HIV, it hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, I live in Indiana, and when Mike Pence was the governor, um, there was a intravenous drug epidemic, and he did nothing about it. They started sharing needles, and we had an HIV outbreak in southern Indiana, and he botched it. Like, he was going, no, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, and we're moving on. Did. He's not worth it. Okay, so back to the history. Um, in the early and mid-80s, rumors of a gay disease or gay plague spread, misrepresenting as 
misrepresenting AIDS as only a threat to homosexual men. And I am going to say, quote unquote, AIDS as, you know, the as kind of like the common pop culture although aids is the most is most prevalent among gay men particularly at that time or most prevalent among men who have sex with other men i should say uh hiv uh, may be contracted through blood semen pre-ejaculate vaginal fluids and breast milk um it cannot repeat cannot be transmitted through saliva tears sweat urine hugs or handshakes those were all very common misconceptions that you know you could get aids from you know somebody's tears or whatnot uh the first clinics uh support groups and community-based service providers opened in san francisco and new york city in 1982 Gay rights activists undertook initiatives promoting education about safer sex and countering discrimination against AIDS, um, uh, against those with AIDS, I should say. Uh, in these early years, there was no treatment for it. Uh, HIV was more or less a death sentence at this point. Um, and family and friends, they could only confront the sick and dying. Uh, the fear of HIV AIDS spread and discrimina discrimination against people living with it um, was common the nation was torn between sympathy for the afflicted and fear that the disease might spread to the quote general population gay activists um hiv positive individuals and their allies battled job school and housing discrimination and um in 1987 during a march on washington for gay rights a giant the famous aids quilt uh, with panels celebrating the lives of people that had the disease um that the disease had claimed was displayed in the National Mall as a memorial to those who had died. Um, one of the most high-profile pop culture deaths were uh, Rock Hudson and Freddie Mercury. Um, activists condemned, rightly, rightly condemned President Ronald Reagan for his public silence on the AIDS crisis during his first term. Thanks to the advocacy of gay advocates and healthcare professionals, uh, one of them being Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, President Reagan issued an executive order in his second term establishing a president establishing the president's commission on the HIV epidemic and signed legislation that increased federal funding and research uh, federal funding for research and edu education on HIV AIDS from 12 million dollars to 500 million. That's all 12 million dollars is what they had committed to the research of HIV. 12 million even in 1980 money you know 1980s money that's still not a lot of money but yes dr anthony fauci you know the uh the um uh, guy who uh initially started battling the covid epidemic uh really cut his teeth during the aids crisis that's crazy in 1987 yes i know more depressing history from mary <laughs> in 1987, the uh, Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, approved the drug AZT, which inhibits HIV and delays the onset of AIDS. AZT was monumental. It saved, it prolonged many, many lives. And <clears throat> by 1989, uh, Lewis Sullivan, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, could say, quote, Today we are witnessing a turning point in the battle to change AIDS from a fatal disease to a treatable one. More effective antiviral drug treatments were discovered in the mid-1990s. According to the CDC today, 
Uh, according to the CDC, today in the U.S., there are more than 1.1 million people living with HIV and more than 700,000 uh, people with AIDS have died since the beginning of the epidemic. However, thanks to uh, research and medical breakthroughs, HIV is honestly no longer the death sentence it once, it once was. Um, there are actually um, preventative vaccines that can help lower your risk of contracting HIV. Um, hell, I'm seeing YouTube ads for um, HIV medication and just the way that the narrative has shifted has been insane. I mean, it's not enough. And, you know, Reagan, who hopefully is burning in the fiery, fieriest pits of hell, we can only had, had, you know, tens of thousands of lives lost because, you know, oh, it was the disease that, you know, it was the gay disease. And <clears throat> it... I don't know. It's hard to talk about this without getting over emotional because LGBTQ history in America is marked with very specific um, uh, instances of emotional turmoil. And I, and I guess really that's any movement, but you know, we have things like Stonewall and we have the AIDS crisis and you know, um, when the United States versus, versus Windsor and just a lot of these different things. And I don't know what I'm trying to get at with this, but it hurts to think about all of the people who died. You know, it was gay men, it was trans women, it was, you know, um, straight people who were drug addicts. Um, who didn't get to see the advancements that we have made in both medical technology and as a society in terms that, you know, we can get married. And it breaks my heart. It was a, a book I read in college for one of my gender studies classes, and it was the, um, it was an essay uh, written by a man who watched his lover of 32 years die of AIDS in the early 1980s, and he couldn't do a goddamn thing. I mean, they'd been together for more than 30 years, and he couldn't be with him in the hospital. He couldn't um, sit with him really in his last days at all. And it, it just hurts because, you know, I'm married. You know, Victoria and I will have been together for 10 years next June. And I, I can't imagine, you know? It's like, it's hard because... I'm sorry. Nah, you, you, it, it, was, it was my only matter of time before I spoke my ass up. And it's, it's crazy because the fact that I amazingly kept myself together when interviewing Tate Bromwell about this because he devoted an entire comic book miniseries to this, to the fight against the stigma, to the protesters wanting there to be co health coverage and help assistance for them. And the seeing the pain that that was there hurt me because I lost, like, like st stereotype be damned, I lost my uncle to this shit. And it's one of those things where 
it stopped me from coming out for years. And I still struggle with being confident in my sexuality to the point that it took me two years after finally coming out to start getting on prep and starting to take care of myself, even though like, yeah, I'm not out here hoeing my ass out, but it's one of those things of I needed to to start protecting myself and making sure that I can be myself and be okay with myself and be out there. And I think if my uncle would have been here to see what, how amazing things have gotten, he would be amazed because there would be times where he would deny himself. He would just stay himself in the church. And after he had got it, he just worked to keep himself healthy and acted like he wasn't himself. And that breaks my heart to think about that. So it's one of those things where we've come so far and to see a character like this go from being a stereotype to being one of like the coolest background characters in comics is really fucking cool. So we've talked about the heartbreaking nature of the AIDS crisis. So then let's talk about the Ema goblin, the goblin (laughs) that gives people HIV created by Nazis. Perfect oh, transition point. Fuck. Hold on. Hold on. What the fuck? Oh, Travis, you're in for a treat. Uh, did you say the hemoglobin? Yes. Yes, I did. I, the blood goblin. Yes. That, yes. Um, yes. He gives people HIV. I don't like where this is going, but please continue. <laughs> Now that we've introduced Extraño and covered the AIDS epidemic in the U.S., this brings us to the most controversial part of Extraño's story. In The New Guardians number one, literally the first issue, we see an introduction of the villain Hemagoblin. In my, in my outline, I actually wrote canned joke about the name here. and like somehow we made that work without like any issue yep he was a vampire uh that was created by a group of nazis uh well specifically white supremacists i don't want you to think like actual german nazis but like you know modern day nazis in comic books sometimes that distinction has to be made if you know they're freeze-dried Nazis from World War II or modern day white supremacists. Freeze drive. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he was created and meant to be used as a super weapon to wipe out people of color um, for some white ethno state Nazi nonsense bullshit. Uh, the catch is that he was, quote, an AIDS vampire. <laughs> Pardon my language, but I shit you not, he was a quote-unquote AIDS vampire. Hemogoblin, the freaking AIDS vampire, ends up attacking various members of the New Guardians. He bites and infects Jet and Harbinger with HIV. He scratches Extraneo's throat and seems to make contact, but there is a lack of visible blood. Um... Um, Hold on. <laughs> well, I, 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 love, I love how like he, he I get to I get to like be visible to his reaction when I didn't like I sort of had to like silently handle this when I found out. So it's very interesting <laughs> hearing your reaction, Travis. And when the doctor confirms uh the positive status to at least Jet and Harbinger, oh. um Extraño makes an offhanded joke about this being deja vu in reference to waiting for the test results, you know, indicating that he's he's maybe dealt with this before. 
you know, having oh. to wait for test results specifically. Oh, this reason. <sighs> oh yeah, yeah. No, are you reading ahead? Because it gets worse. No, uh, this- no, I'm listening. It's pure. <laughs> Uh, this raises the rather large question of was he infected by the hemoglobin or was he already carrying the virus? Uh, the question is never truly answered in the book. And this is where the letters in the back of the book start to shed more light. Um, in the letterbox in the back of the issues, editorial offers more information that this isn't his first time dealing with the HIV scare and that may, quote, have lost lovers or feel fear of his own infection um and it may have even been the cause of the suicidal behavior that he exhibited in millennium so they're kind of giving us a larger look into extraneous past that you know he may have potentially lost lovers to um aids or you know the fear himself so you know this is deja vu for him all over again um what follows the events are a truly um emotional and heartbreaking story arc about living with hiv and again please contextualize it through the lens of the time if you look at it now you you know Uh, but i feel like even in 1988 that doesn't excuse the existence of an aids vampire no it does not at all that's but uh... like (laughs) but like specifically you know when they're in the um people with hiv support group meetings um harbinger she's angry and she's terrified um extraño is scared but does what he can to try and accept it and jet who actually uh does end up developing aids as a result of her infection lives every day the best that she can and she um later on in the book actually ends up sacrificing her life to save all of her teammates um, and it, it's not like an oopsie, we killed this character. Like, no, first of all, she's dead, And second of all, it's a very emotional scene because the New Guardians, this, this you know, this 12 issue run deals a lot with the interpersonal relationships between the various teammates. It's not a backdrop like you would see in Avengers or Justice League. It, you know, that's, you know, one of the central focuses of the book. <clears throat> Uh, the storyline was met with both celebration and excruciatingly heavy criticism. Uh, many gay men with HIV and slash AIDS wrote to the editors and some were excited to see it talked about and others were fucking furious. Um, many actually, and I, I've read all of the letters and there are a few that um, I've taken pictures of. Uh, because there are some of the letters that I want to touch on. One, because DC's responses are so snarky for some of them. And it's it's perfect. We love it. But a lot of people criticized Extraño's campy, you know, Liberace, gay Doctor Strange style. And um, again, he would eventually get a costume change in response I to need that. You to, I need you to say that one more time. <laughs> what is his campy Liberace-esque gay Doctor Strange costume? <laughs> What it was like, it, like that's what it was. Yeah, it like, looks like you know, Liberace's closet and Doctor Strange had a baby. Then like they tried John to make, filter over it, and like then they tried to like give him like like arm and and, and wrist braces and sort of like give him a like sort of modern look that just said, "Oh, he's a sorcerer." Like no, no, no. Like like he's still gay, Doctor Strange. You can't escape it. You, this is what you've done. 
Hold on, hold on. This is a lot. <laughs> like Travis, you'd think we're fucking kidding, but like they did. No, I honestly don't think you're kidding. But it's when I, when I hear these things, I try to think of the mindsets that these people are in when they think it's okay. <laughs> and in this one in particular, I don't. It's got to be Doctor Strange's collar that did it. Like, no, Travis, look at the Discord. Oh no. This was this was this was, this was his premiere. Okay. Fun fact: um, I think for a Patreon reward, we should let people sit in on the Discord while we record, just so they can see the "Hey, look at the Discord" that That'd, nobody that, else sees. That would be kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie. What the fuck? Yeah. Liberace, Doctor Strange. Y- you see what I'm talking about? So this is a openly gay character who looks like Liberace, uh-huh. Doctor Strange, and his name is Strange. And like then, then that that's yep. the, that's the updated costume after a little bit of the, of the new Guardians book. Okay. <laughs> this one they what they I- they they gave him like a Ricardo Montalban twist in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but see, this is unfortunately this is what happens when you have to rely on coding to uh, express that your character is you know queer. But. Mm. Um, here is an example of one of the letters in the back, and it is very different to what the book presents. Um, uh, dear folks, as a comic reader who has practiced his hobby for nigh on 30 years, I am pleased as a pig in the mud to see the sudden surge of homosexual characters who have popped up lately in your various titles. This is the late 80s, folks. And there was a overwhelming dearth of queer characters, but more, I guess two is more than zero. Yeah. Um, although Extraño began uh, as a page writer to the old stereo, uh, stereotype writer. And I love the term stereotype writer. Get it? Cause a typewriter. Yes. yes it's very no. clever. Okay. Well, uh, he is emerging as a courageous meditative hero whose sensitivity and quick thinking have established him as the guiding force behind the team if he just ditched that tacky mustache. On Halloween night in 1986, I received the awful news that the HIV virus had taken a swan dive into my bloodstream. Recently, my immune system crashed below sea level. My first reaction to your AIDS storyline was outrage. How dare you trivialize my situation and the situation of thousands of people worldwide with this sensationalistic claptrap. Then I read New Guardians number two and number three. My god, Jet actually tested positive. Extranio and Harbinger are in that awful limbo of knowing that they've been exposed, but ne- but um, but not whether they've been infected. Okay, you score points for having... <clears throat> you score points for guts and have my everlasting gratitude for exploring the horror... Uh, exploring the psychological, physical, and sociological horrors of this damned disease. But if you're going to do it, do it right. If Jet is simply seropositive with no symptoms, it is unlikely that she would be on any kind of medication, even experimental. Although the episode in the PWA, quote, people with AIDS uh, group, was authentic, right down to the obnoxious nutritionist with his whole weak cure, um, no doctor slash facilitator worth his salt would ever reveal intimate details about the others in the group, especially to newcomers. It is up to each member of the group to decide what he or she will share. 
Otherwise, I'm highly impressed with your handling of this plotline. As you progress, please keep in mind that testing seropositive is not a death sentence. Regardless of my less than durable, my less than desirable health status, I hold a full-time job as a writer, uh, freelance on the side, and serve on the board of directors <clears throat> of Friends, Detroit's only PWA coalition. Many of my acquaintances are likewise positive, productive people. The worst thing Jet or anyone with the syndrome can do is give up and become an AIDS victim. And this was Bill Hogg in Detroit, Michigan. And editorial responds with, quote, Jet was an inspiration to her teammates. Even though she sacrificed her life, she never gave up. In the PWA group, the members had already shared those details of their lives with the, uh, of their lives, uh, the doctor knew. Jet, as I could surmise, was probably taking a drug to help inhibit certain uh, AIDS-related complexities or to prevent further depletion of the T-helper cells. Although no effective AIDS therapy is presently available, medical science is working on not only an AIDS vaccine, but on as many ways as possible to help develop antiviral agents to halt the HIV from within. That's a letter in the back of a comic book. And it was bizarre to see something of that magnitude in a book with fucking gay doctor strange like oh man this one <clears throat> though this last one right here it, whoa <laughs> i would guess that that is doctor strange and i'd be like what's he doing with midnighter oh the one the one that was in dc pride i mean i i i think it's a, it's a good modern look for him i think it takes him away from the, the from the suit i think the suit was, was a little too like you're trying to like minimize what he's already been previously yeah, but in the face, it looks like Reed Richards and Doctor Strange did the fusion dance. All right. You no. will indulge me further for just a few moments. Yes. There are a few letters that I want to read, and one of the responses is so snarky, and I love it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> here's some good old Marvel bashing from the what, 80s. Let's fucking go. Dear DC Comics, I want to applaud you for your fine work on the first issue of The New Guardians. The way that you were able to show, show the sickness of racism and the shock of AIDS was handled exceptionally well. Thank you for creating a story that focuses on the oppression of the South African people. Again, also keep in mind this was during apartheid. Uh, it lets people like me know that DC is taking a stand against apartheid in South Africa. Also, thank you for pointing out more specifically how AIDS can and cannot be transmitted. Um, oftentimes, the quote, other comics company, and they put other in quotes, remains neutral in matters dealing with sensitive subjects such as deadly diseases or racism, apparently, um, apparently so as not to offend people. Uh, but after reading The New Guardians, I am glad that you were showing what's going on. Tell Steve Englehart, Joe Stanton, Mark Farmer, Tony Tallin, and John Costanza, and Andy Helfer that they have done an, except, an, ex, an excellent job. I am very, very proud of you all. Thank you very much for listening. Catherine Marsh. Address withheld. Love it. But Catherine Marsh was apparently not having it. And I'm sorry, it's just... Some good old Marvel bashing from the eighties. I, I don't know if anybody else thought that was funny, but I did. I, I said it. I, I thought it was great. <laughs> Is she just like not hearing me today? I don't know. 
I mean, you're cutting in and out a bit. What in the world? My mic is on point. What the hell? Okay, and then I want to find the homophobic letter. The homophobic letter? Oh my god, there was... In one of these letters, there is some dude that goes off. Oh, Here it is. Oh my god. Oh my god. Can I read it? <laughs> yes, you can read it, dork. Dear Andy, it seems as if the major topic of conversation about New Guardians will be extraneous sexual preference. Uh, this book has been unafraid to prevent controversial topics such as homosexuality and AIDS. This should be applauded. Working within the context of a non-approved book, and by non-approved they mean by the Comics Code Authority. Uh, the creative team has the opportunity to explore new adult themes without having to worry about the interests of younger audience. Uh, there are those who will say it is a parent's right and responsibility to decide what is right or wrong for their children uh, to read slash view. This may be true, but let's be honest. Uh, how many parents... Oh, no. Is this... Oh, no. Did I find the wrong letter? She's about to be so upset if she found the wrong letter. I did find the wrong letter. No. <laughs> there it is. Love it every time. Give her time. I'm just like waiting to see what her reaction is. Wait, 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 wait. This is the homophobic letter. <laughs> Um, okay, let me pick up. Uh, how many out there had parents who had any idea what they read, unless they were uh, throwing it out? The majority of parents view comics as, quote, wholesome entertainment, despite the efforts during the 1950s. That is, for those who consider violence wholesome and not sex. At any rate, this book does not have um, concepts that are adult in nature. I take offense at those who insist that this character or that character should be gay. Uh, the most often mentioned is Jericho of Titans. He is obviously homosexual after all, isn't he? He is interested in art and music and has a gentle, caring personality. He doesn't That's play football. Confirmed. Actually, no, he's <laughs> bisexual. He's confirmed to be yeah. bisexual in the, in the, the uh, priest run. Uh, he doesn't play football, drink with the guys, or use high-powered weaponry surely all of this adds up to one thing he likes guys wrong as far as i know men who display these characteristics aren't necessarily gay in issue number six a letter writer david may says that if 10 10 percent of the population is gay uh, so should 10 percent of the comic characters be gay first i believe 10 percent is an overinflated estimate Second, uh, it has never been established that ninety-five that ninety percent of characters are homosex are heterosexual. As I see it, there are many characters who are asexual. Uh, third, it would be quite controversial to. Uh, here we go. Third, it would be quite controversial to make a company flagship character gay, especially one who is in a book read by a large number of children. I mean, children under twelve, not just under eighteen. Mr. May feels that Obsidian is gay and is, quote, in the, quote, um, oppressive Catholic closet. And the Catholic Church may be oppressive um, if any religion es espousing a set of moral standards for its followers can be called oppressive. The Church frowns on all forms of sexual promiscuity, even of the homosexual variety, heterosexual variety. You may find that particular religious denomination... Um, is oppressive, but no one is forcing you to accept that religion. As I remember, we have freedom of religion in this country. 
As for your character, Gregorio, Extraño, he is a good, expressive, loyal, and caring character. Um, a very good character who just happens to be gay. The character does not turn me off. <laughs> that means two mm, things. Yes. Even though that the idea, even though the idea of his preference does, his sexuality has been handled very tastefully and more tastefully than Wally West's heterosexuality in Flash. Let's let's revisit that one of those last lines there. The character does not turn me off, even though the idea of his preference does. And I know that was a little garbled, but DC responds. Thank you for your wonderful letter, Floyd. Oh, and it was uh, Floyd D. Barber from West Nyack, New York. Uh, thank you for your wonderful letter, letter, Floyd. We do, quote, worry about the interest of a younger audience. And we try to present a positive outlook while melding facts and fantasy. Quote, concepts that are adult in nature is a shaky thing. No one is, quote, insisting any character is gay, merely posing who might be, as Edward Rosnacki uh, did above. Whether the well-documented 10% is incorrect, one cannot apply a general populist statistic to a select group. They must be looked at on the basis of what factors the group may be in. What does, quote, making a company flagship character gay have to do with a book being read by, quote, a large number of children besides controversy? It's not like a character or teacher or any role model will make kids gay. It might make more um, comfortable. It might make people more comfortable with those who are gay or those who fear gays. Uh, about oppressive religions, can't say you weren't warned. The Catholic Church, uh, through the people in it, has come far in recent years. Should a system of morals be set down that infringe on the rights of people to live how they want, as long as they do no harm anyone? Oh, fuck. I fucked that. Should a system set down morals that infringe on rights of people to live how they want, as long as they do not harm anyone? As far as you know, Floyd, gays can be just as monogamous as straights. Speaking of which, we think we handled Wally's sec We think Wally's heterosexuality um, was handled ah there it is was handled well i don't know while could oh. totally be gay we wouldn't even know are y'all Floyd. there Dumpsy, i'm here they're, no they're like, my i can hear mary too okay. She went, Floyd, okay. and then, like, nothing for a second. I, lo I lost Floyd's response letter. As you know, uh, Floyd, gays can be just as monogamous as straights. Speaking of which, we think Wally's heterosexuality was handled very maturely in Flash. Taste is another thing entirely. Oh, and one slight correction, Floyd. Although, um, this might open up quite another kettle. Being gay is a sexual orientation, not a preference. Ooh. I'm sorry. I love the snarkiness of DC's response. Love it. It's pretty and, good. And fuck you, Floyd. I don't <laughs> know who you are or where you are now or if you even still live in West Nyack, New York, but fuck you, Floyd D. Barber. Fuck you, Floyd. <laughs> what gets me is that old-timey comics, what gets me about it is that they actually publish their street addresses. Yeah. Oh, shit. 
You know, back <laughs> yeah, in the day, cool. man, you it, it was it was prominent that like you were this guy oh, yeah. that like, like sent that shit in. Like especially with like the older comments, but like we're just a kid who just sent in his address. That's how motherfuckers used to get fucking doxxed back in the day. Yeah. Because it says Floyd D. Barber, 15 Spruce Lane, West Nyack, New York, uh, 10994. Hope you don't live there no more, Floyd. <laughs> Damn. <coughs> oh, man. I know I stumbled over that a bit, but, you know, I could appreciate part of what Floyd is getting at with the it's nice to see gay characters, but why do you have to make gay characters? What does that letter sound like to you? That doesn't make sense at all. Like, sounds like it's someone cool being upset have about their thing, but I don't want them to have their thing. Honest, like, like honest, yeah, pretty much that. It sounds like Comics Gate. <laughs> Maybe choking. Doesn't almost. it though? Yeah, it makes me choke. <laughs> it sounds they don't like get their thing. I don't want them to have their thing. It's like, why can't you just be gay, but over there and not around my comics? Like, why, like, why do we like bring your gay stuff over here? Listen here, Buster. You have two choices. You can either be gay out of my face, or you could be straight right here and now. And that's not <laughs> how it works. What the fuck? <laughs> some digging. The response is not signed, but Kevin Dooley was one of the people who was responding to letters at the time. And I have vague memories of when I did an extraneo episode, when Kai and I did an extraneo episode for Seduction of the Innocent. I vaguely remember someone finding me and saying that it sounded like, quote unquote, sounded like something Kevin Dooley would have written. So, but the fact that the editors of this book, and I mean, and this is just one, there are other people who bring up you know, most of the letters in the book are actually about uh, AIDS and extraño. And people, you know, uh, some people express their extreme frustrations with him. Like, you know, okay, so you're going to make a gay character, but he's going to look like, you know, gay Liberace, Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's okay. frustrating as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And then... And then you have other people who are like, holy shit, we thought we were just going to get Maggie Sawyer. You know, here is, you know, a gay man who has to deal with the AIDS crisis. So, you know, you've got Extraño over here. You have Maggie over here. This is really exciting to see. It's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. So, and I think it's just a really interesting look it makes you recontextualize the book a little bit, but it also gives you a very interesting snapshot into the mind of a minority audience of comic book readers because these days you know any one of the three of us can go on twitter and spout something off yeah. but they couldn't do that so this is basically gay comics twitter in the back of a comic book and floyd but... <laughs> and floyd and there are some letters that actually do get more vitriolic than floyd's do than floyd does and I actually applaud DC for publishing some of these letters and completely eviscerating them in the response. Make sure that's like anyway. a bitch. Hey, so um, this this leads me to a very prominent point that I think that we've we've said plenty of times before. But DC, like, what happened, bro? What happened, guys? What are you uh, What happened, indeed? <laughs> <laughs> Because, no, if you look at comics, you know, at a lot of comics in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, DC was at the forefront of this shit. Like, uh -huh. there is an entire issue of Superman 
where it is more or less confirmed again she doesn't say i'm a lesbian but it's more or less you know it's confirmed that maggie sawyer is a lesbian and her kid has been kidnapped by some weird winged monster and only superman can save her and so maggie is talking to superman kind of recounting her life story about how she married um a a a police detective in star city and you know they had a daughter and maggie makes a comment of thinking about things that a good catholic girl shouldn't and then eventually she and her husband end up getting a divorce she comes out her husband is like dude the fuck he is incredibly homophobic to her and he absolutely obliterates maggie in court saying that she is unfit to be a mother so he gets full custody of their daughter initially and then eventually it becomes shared custody as the years goes on. And she's talking about all this with Superman. And Superman's like, the fuck? So when he's flying off to go save Jamie, her daughter, Superman is thinking about how ridiculous it is that somebody could think Maggie Sawyer is a bad parent because she's gay. And eventually when Jamie is saved, there's a very cute moment with Maggie and her daughter. He takes Jamie back to her father. And pretty much looks at Maggie's ex-husband and says, I really didn't want to have to do this, but here is your child back. Maybe you should reconsider the custody thing because you're a fucking moron. Like, because Superman even says, he said, this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is take a child away from a loving mother to a homophobic ex-husband. So it's just, you know, this is the kind of shit DC was putting out. And then... You know, there was Metropolis SCU that deals entirely with Maggie and her girlfriend. And it's like the early 90s. You know, uh, DC facilitated the publishing of Milestone that just, you know, took a machine gun to the faces of both DC and Marvel in terms of, you know, queer representation. And then, you know, when Glad started doing comic book of the year, it was all DC. Like, I don't think Marvel ended up getting one of the GLAAD awards until the 2000s. Yeah. What the fuck happened to you guys? They didn't like getting the gay number no more. And then, but see, that's the thing, is that, you know, a lot of people can point the finger at 9-11 is when culture kind of started to take a few steps back. That doesn't, I mean, even in the early 2000s, we had Judd fucking Winnick and Greg Rucka out here writing some shit. Like, you know, Judd Winnick just running around with, like, a baseball bat hitting something and it just explodes into rainbows. Yeah, but, like, Judd Winnick had a problem where, like, 50% of his writing would be, like, really fucking good and then, like, 50% would be, like, what the fuck are you doing, Judd? Get back on track. But, you know, he created a lot of fantastic queer characters. Greg Rucka has done incredible work with queer representation in comic books. Yes, and both of the, like, these, these gentlemen have the utmost uh, approval to co- come onto the show if they ever want to come onto the show. We love you. Talked to Greg intermittently online before, but if I ever met the man, I would probably break down and sob hysterically. So we, I, I try not to. Like, I desperately want to meet him, but at the same time, I don't want him to have to meet me, if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but I get the feeling that he has dealt with many a crying lesbian. But, like, hell, even the New 52, try, the, those first couple of years, tried to do slightly more ambitious things with queer characters. 
like randomly making Alan only, Scott gay. And I mean, you know, Batwoman, she was the first lesbian character. Honestly, I think she was the first gay superhero to have a self-titled solo series. Yeah, I think so, actually. Yeah. And it's just like looking mm-hmm. at it now and you know the gay narratives fell apart in the new 52 it, it really did and we haven't gotten back to that i mean they tried another batwoman book and that was so so marguerite bennett Ooh, actually 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 uh midnighter beat you by four years mary sorry to tell okay. you <laughs> midnighter beat you by four years okay because um, his original run was twenty was 2007. I'm sorry? His original run was 2007. Okay, so she is at least the first lesbian superhero. Yes. Okay. Sometimes even I don't have all the... Uh, I was uh, curious. I, I knew that the, like, the original run was in 07, and I'm like, when did that woman come out? So I had to double check. See, okay. Um, and uh, they like, like to also circumvent the whole... Um, Midnighter and Apollo getting married by saying that North Star was the first gay wedding, but it was actually Midnighter and Apollo. Yes, but it was. DC wasn't publishing Midnighter under their own banner at the time, so they say, "Oh, it's the first big two. Gross, hate it. Yeah, and that's just because you know Marjorie Leo and company wanted to say they had the first gay wedding. Ugh. No, I shouldn't throw shade at Leo. She seems like a really nice person. But, but like, anyway, we... that's my rant. DC, what the fuck happened? And honestly, this next part is going to be very painful for me because I have to say nice things about Dan DiDio. I'll read the, the, the I'll read the panel because I have it open, and if it'll, if it'll make it less painful for you. No, I just don't like having to say nice things about Dan DiDio. I mean, who does? But, but like, still. But that man, uh, it hurts my soul. Was an advocate for keeping LGBTQ themed books on shelves. Gail Simone has talked about at length that Dan DiDio fought to keep the movement on the shelf during the New 52. Wow. The movement is basically just DC's runaways, but yeah, it, it was selling very poorly in single issue and it made it to 12 issues when it probably would have petered out at six, but Dan DiDio fought to keep it on the shelves. Okay, so after the initial HIV-AIDS plotline um, would take a backseat to other events in the book, um, after the cancellation of New Guardians, Extraño more or less disappeared into history. Uh, the New Guardians has never been reprinted or collected. So, so stupid. So being blunt about it, the only way you can read it is have the single issues like I do or Irish. I don't typically advocate piracy, but it hasn't been reprinted and has not been collected. So you... It's not even on Comixology. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's, like, not, it's not even know. on Comixology. This is, you know, both Marvel and DC do this, where if something is extremely controversial, they don't reprint it, collect it, or put it on any of their digital apps, because then they can bury it. Unless they got awards for it, like the Green Lantern and Green Arrow book. Um, after the time-altering events of the 2016 DC Rebirth relaunch, Extraño reappeared in Midnighter and Apollo. It's a small cameo, and we see that he now shuns his previous persona. 
uh, we see that Extraño is seemingly married to a man named Hugh and that the two have adopted a daughter with wings to name Suri. Uh, Extraño briefly helps Midnighter on his quest to save Apollo. Uh, writer Steve Orlando, who is openly bisexual, explains his decision to reintroduce the character, saying, quote, With a book like Midnighter and Apollo, which is from cover to cover a love letter to queer characters and our struggle to live, be visible, and love, it felt right to return one of uh, the first and reintroduce Gregorio to a new generation. Gregorio's story would be addressed in another way in the heartbreaking charity comic Love is Love from DC and IDW. Um... Uh, Love is Love was published as a fundraising comic in response to the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. It raised actually well over $100,000 for Quality Florida. Uh, in a small comic page written by none other than, uh, ooh, ooh, I have to update it, a former DC co-publisher, Dan Tadio, uh, with art and lettering by Carlos Denanda and uh, Carlos Menqual, respectively, uh, Gregorio recounts his story to Maggie Sawyer and Renee Montoya. He comments about his tropey pasts and admits that while progress has been made, there's more work to be done. And James, if you want to read the dialogue for me. Oh, oh please, save the hard-ass act for the boys at Metropolis PD. When I arrived, I was wrapped in every gay stereotype known to man, woman, and child, and yet I was never allowed to admit being gay. God, I hate umbrella drinks, and to make matters worse, I wound up being taken out by a horribly cliched AIDS vampire named Hemogoblin. So many beautiful people died from this horrible disease, and I was compl uh, compliant in diminishing the impact by making a it a plot device. Ah, the 80s. So, yeah, that is an interesting view of it. Because you look at how we see it now versus how it was seen then, and it overlaps. And if bad rep is all you had at the time, what can yeah, you okay. do? And something I do appreciate about that page is that Dan Didio was not involved with the new, you know, was not really involved with DC at the time. But I saw that as DC actually accepting responsibility for that. And that you know that kind of accountability if you will is not something we typically see in comic companies they just typically pretend it never happened so it's interesting to see and that panel offends me for many other reasons because batwoman goes get gets maggie to go dance with her and renee's right there and i'm like come on kate yeah. that's not it, it really feels weird how like kate just kind of pulls up and says hey let's not do a serious talk right now like if anything, Kate would have been there to like, console Gregorio. It feels very weird. Kate's dragging Maggie away to dance, and I think that's Dan Tadio trying to approach the uh, marriage issue in Batwoman. Because, okay, look, this is about Extraño, but I'm getting really sick of it. That was a line-wide publication rule. None of the superheroes could get married. It was a stupid decision, but not a homophobic one. Ironically, they treated Batwoman like the rest of the straight heroes the one time they probably shouldn't have. So, like, it's really funny, because Aquaman and Mira, they couldn't get married either. Which was and that's so why, stupid. And that's why in Rebirth, the first thing Jeff Johns has him do is propose. Yep. But, yes. <laughs> 
they, 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 the straights couldn't marry either, and they just kind of used equal treatment the one time they probably shouldn't have. You had to think somebody at DC kind of went, hey guys, this probably isn't the best idea. Maybe we should just let them do it. <laughs> but Again, it was a stupid decision, but not an explicitly homophobic one. Ew, I just had to defend Antidio. And with oh. that, my horrible letter reading and tirades aside, that is where Extraño's story ends for the moment. I mean, technically, like he did recently with DC Pride, was able to get a bit of shine where it gave him a little bit of a look of w what he's been up to, not only sort of being the gay Doctor Strange to the new, what was supposed to be the winner of the stupid DC Twitter poll, uh, the, the Justice League queer that, that just didn't happen, the JLQ, but then also in the because DC Pride we book. we needed another fucking Robin book. <sighs> anyway. Um... Like the other part of it is an amazing story by Steve Orlando in in like uh, in the in the in the DC Pride anthology where, um, ironically enough, Midnighter and Extraño go on a quest to kill another vampire. So it's very ironic, <laughs> and it's it's it it, it, it's it's very wholesome. It kind of like leaves a door open for somebody to come in and tell more stories to sort of like boost Extraño's profile. So I'm excited to see what happens in the future with him because he has so much potential to be more than just the other guy at the other studio who just happens to be gay. The problem is is that they won't. I know. It it's he's something of a comic book hot potato that, you know, it takes Orlando was incredibly brave to revisit the issue. Yeah. And to essentially update the character. And I had some people um, you know, when I was I think I was working in the warehouse at the time. I had some people coming up to me going, Mary, who is this guy? And I said, hang on. And I flipped through it and went, oh my god, that's Extraño. And then I had to pull up pictures on my phone and go, it's Gate Act Strange. It's like, they're kind of like, and honestly, and shout out to Stephen Byrne for amazing art in this issue, because he kind of does sort of make a modern Doctor Strange-esque costume for him, rather than what the original Steve Orlando Midnight or an Apollo book gave him, just like a suit coat kind of look to him the newer like like costume sort of gives him like his own unique look while also sort of capturing what his original costume was so like honestly i feel like there's a lot of potential here he, he doesn't have to just be a side character if they put the work into it honestly dc just needs to shut up and give me my queer hero team up and i'm honestly. talking like you know the adults not just the weird teenager teams that apparently can only be queer that bothers me a lot like no if you, look <laughs> at, if you look at dc pride the lineup of jlq is actually a pretty solid fucking roster you have midnight or apollo you have batwoman who would be like the miu like, extraño who would be sort of the like adult like like leader sort of jsa-esque grandparents in the room leading the next generation you have ray you have um seal you have bunker tasmanian devil you have uh freaking um crush lobo's daughter like there's a like eclectic group of amazing characters here hell i don't even know who the fuck they are because i refuse to read tom taylor's run on suicide squad because it's not a suicide squad book but the characters from tom taylor's suicide squad run are <laughs> in this suicide book. squad book <laughs> it's not, it, travis 
I, I will be so firm on this. And Tom Taylor, I love you. I love you so much. I've sung your praises before, and you know this. But that's the, it's not a Suicide Squad book. It's, hey, I really wanted to write a new Warriors book, so that so DC said, hey, just shove it in Suicide Squad and add Harley and Deadshot. I, I understand. I really understand. Still, but like, It's still more of a Suicide Squad book than whatever the hell the New 52 was. I, I disagree with that firmly, but well, that different day. But, like, in general... like Yes, because Harley straddling Deadshot just screams... Not, not, not that, not that. I'm saying the uh-huh. rest of the book... I'm saying the rest of the book and the arc that happens, because that was weird. But like, uh-huh. and, also, and also, especially when she puts Joker's, like, decapitated face on Deadshot, which is... Ugh. But, like, in general, I'm saying that, like, like the fact that literally all these amazing characters that have been created over the past, like, the, uh, like, like lengthy years are here and i think even shining knights in the background and like and, and their intersex that's really fucking cool yeah i think um, uh i think tom king of all people added that yeah I, i'm still tom king well and the weirdest thing he tom king randomly put shining knight in um heroes in crisis and yet we still have not gotten resolution on shining knight being back in the canon <laughs> but anyway um so you know this definitely was like a chance to begin a tradition of doing like more stuff with LGBT stuff, and me and Mary are working on an amazing project to start doing stuff with that. We wanted to spend. I think. Um, I think you mean it's my show, James. You right. You right. I'm just here to have fun. You right. I'm just giving you a hard time. I hate you, but like in general, it's still like, my show. It is your show, but like, like, <laughs> like, like Mary and I sorry, are working sorry. on this. Mary and I are working on a, on a new project that's coming soon. She's been working on this like for a long time, and I was like, you know what? I want to make this shit happen. I'm here to back you up. Let's fucking do this. And we're bringing something cool to the table soon. But the next, the rest of the month, we are going to be doing queer history. And whether it's next week, and me, Mary, and Victoria will be super fucking drunk while we do it, or if it's in two weeks, because uh, apparently there's like five weeks in October for some reason. And, or we will be back and the following week, either the following week will be something really fucking random or the, or, um, the, the next following week will be, um, America Chavez. So get ready. The reason why I'm saying me, Mary and Victoria is next week is my birthday and Mary and Victoria are coming up to see me and have a good time. So maybe we'll have an episode and maybe that'll be a fun time, but we don't know yet. So get ready for that folks. Mary, is there anything else you want to include before we wrap up? DC, what the fuck happened? <laughs> what the fuck okay. happened? You no, 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 no. Okay, I'm sorry, but no, go. you go, go. from one of the most transformative, you know, comic runs. I mean, you helped me become comfortable with it. Fifty Two is a transformative book in my life, and then poof, gay people just don't exist anymore. The fuck, but you know y'all y'all rode the cred with bombshells, and rightfully so. That is the gayest book I have ever read. No other comic book in history can match the level of open gayness that that book is. But come on, like, what happened? What happened? I'm upset. I mean, I, I, too, I just want to play Life is Strange. Oh my <laughs> fuck. You just beat that. Leave it alone. You just beat that. 
I did. I played it all in one day. But then Victoria's like, Whoa. I want to watch it. I'm like, ooh, I get to play it again. Seriously, though, play Life is Strange True Colors. It's so fucking good. Oh, I don't God. think I've played True Colors, but I've definitely been binge played the first one, and that was wild. Oh, God. Oh, True Colors? If if the Life is Strange 2 is stupid and no one plays it, um, but the first Life is Strange, if that is a 10, um, True Colors is a 9.9. Folks, it looks like the youngins I... got a hold of Mary and turned around to Life is Strange. We're all doomed. Oh. I. <laughs> I. What? <laughs> I played the first one when it came out a gajillion years ago. With the tornado and the fucking teacher yeah. who kills your best friend and shit? Like, that Max, shit was crazy. Chloe, Rachel Amber. Like, no, James, I, I played the first one when it came out. Bro, I remember like playing that shit when you're like looking into the pictures and changing the timeline. And right? like, your best oh friend is all paraplegic and fucked Travis. up in bed. <laughs> Travis, do you save Chloe or do you save Arcadia Bay? What do you do? Oh my god. Uh, all right, kids. We're, we're going to go ahead. Chloe because I'm awful. All right, all right, all right kids. I do. Gonna... I'm awful. I'm, I'll kill the whole town so my girlfriend can live. Children. Oh my god. Children. Children. <laughs> We're, we're, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode folks um travis not related to life is strange in relation to the topic we've discussed today what is your closing statement for this episode i'm kind of just gonna resonate with mary with the what the fuck happened dc because man <laughs> uh... all right my closing statement as always folks is uh support your local comic book shop um dc what the fuck um also just in general like we need more queer characters like i i like i've said this for years i've said this with multiple guests and i've said this with um what what, like still one of my favorite guests uh, guests of all time tay brown bravo like we need more queer characters we need more stories that resonate with today's readers like our today's readers are not just cishet white men living in their basement or cishet white men that ha- well, that work a nine to five, that work that work in the steel the steel mill all day, and want to come home and read their Captain America comics. We're not that anymore. We are a diverse pool of readers that are here, and we've been here since before the two thousands. And we care about what happens in our comic books. Yes, capitalism is a thing. Okay? We know this. <coughs> Jeez, Travis, are you all right? Yes. Okay, making sure okay. you're good. Tra- Travis is still alive, everybody. Maybe. He just smokes a lot of weed. It's fine. Um, but in general, <coughs> we're, we're very much like, like a more diverse thing than we've ever been. And well, see, if, that's the thing. Is, ah, nope, not going to do it. No, do it. Sp- speak on it. Speak on it. The comics audience has always been incredibly diverse. I mean, there are delightful and admittedly heartbreaking photos of you know children of color sitting at comic book stands excitedly reading comic books and then you see one and you think it's really cute and then you realize it's in a fucking japanese internment camp yeah yeah Yeah. no so this so so fuck the notion of you know boomer and gen x white men going oh we read comics blah 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 no fuck you Fuck you with a rusty fucking spoon. I, We've I always love her been so here. much. Travis, I love her so much. But no, nah, like she, she makes a valid point. We've been here. I like like I even talked about last week with um the Aqualad well the Aquaman episode. 
Um, I've been reading comic books since I was literally able to read. My first books were one of the, one of the scariest Batman comics of all time and then Young Justice. I have been here for so long. I've been, I'm, my favorite superhero for the longest time was Aquaman, and I finally did get a black gay Aquaman. And he probably won't get a long time on, on, on the page because of capitalism, and he'll just be swept to the sideline, and it sucks. But in general, I feel like we need to get rid of the notion that sales mean everything, when in reality, the readers mean everything. So, thank, um, as always, folks, make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all the great places. Uh, wherever you can listen to a podcast besides SoundCloud, we are there. So, please check us out, subscribe, and um, review us on Apple Podcasts and whatnot. So, that way you can boost our analytics and help us find, reach out to more people who need to hear. Basically, that comics are for everyone, and we don't give a fuck anymore. Um, and in general, you can, you can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter on Comics Ground, uh, where, we po- where we're going to be posting a lot more reviews and, ta- and getting more critical about comics because we, we care about this industry. Whether, like, yeah, there's a lot of people who are, who are going to, to different avenues for their comics. Like, apparently, uh, found out on the internet today that uh, Brian Michael Bendis was offered a Substack contract. I don't know how I feel about that. But in general, um, we're going to keep doing this uh, until the day we die because we love this shit. So get ready for either drunk gay people next week or um, America Chavez in two weeks. So whatever happens, you will enjoy more panel to battle from us, and we will catch you folks next time right here at panel two. Panel, peace out.